welcome to the Student Affairs Nerds Podcast. We're a group of student affairs professionals, cool to some and nerdy to others. We gather together to bring you this podcast designed to elevate the genius ideas and initiatives of educators across higher education who support student achievement and success. Our panel of insightful friends and guests will highlight creative pivots, best practices, and unique services that touch the lives of students and serve campuses. Your nerdy hosts are Dr. Jamie Hoffman, Mr. Solomon Matthews, Dr. James McGee, and Mr. Dustin Ramsdell. We hope that you will enjoy this exciting addition to the Higher Ed Geek family of podcasts. I am super excited to hear everybody's predictions on some of these topics post-COVID. All right, so be thinking in a post-COVID world, what will happen? And you have to pick a side and you can give an explanation, but please be brief. So first, we're going to talk about students, and then we're going to look more on an organizational university level. All right, so the first question is this, post-COVID, Will students want to take online or blended courses more or less? Solomon. I think online courses more. Not sure about blended courses. I feel like that might be, you know, and a little anxiety inducing for some students. All right. Thank you. Dustin. I agree more. Uh, I think more of that exposure to the now than before. Um, they see the benefit. Um, it's just less unknown. So um, I think that, yeah, it'll be more more common. Thanks. And James? I think it's going to be highly dependent on the individualized needs of that particular student. I have students who are really into the online learning. They love it. They think it works for them. And then some who actually need that that in-person connection, and they're going to not want to do this again. All right. And I would say both what Dustin and James said. I think we're going to see a lot more students wanting online education because they've had exposure to it. And those who don't want it are really going to not want it. So that's my prediction. All right. Next question. So so thinking outside of the classroom, uh, many of our, our campus partners and colleagues in the student affairs profession have been creating digital communities to foster a place for students to engage with each other. So the question is, will students still want to engage in these digital communities post-pandemic? Solomon. I think there will be uh, unique groups of students who will engage in the digital space, but my prediction is once campus opens up, some of these digital communities will kind of wither away. Ooh, interesting. Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, similar to my reason before, it's more normalized, and I think campuses are getting better at it. I kind of took it from that angle a little bit, is that uh, part of this is that a lot of this, I think, if it does succeed or kind of is prevalent, it's going to be facilitated from the institution, and they're just going to get better at that. So students will uh, sort of follow suit because there's more opportunities to, like, watch a live stream speaker from your room if you don't get a ticket or something, um, to be, like, right there in the front row kind of thing, or, like, uh, virtual commencement uh, if you're not able to uh, go on site or something, um, depending on you know, people's situation. So um, I think, yes, uh, as long as campuses get better at it, which I think they will. Thanks. And James, who has created his own digital community on Discord, what do you think? Is that going to continue post-pandemic? I agree. I think it's going to become 
I think the community will change and, and it will become more intentionally used in a completely different way. And it will serve a need for specific subsets of students and some will not want to touch it ever again. And I think we have to be okay with both of those. And my vote is I think students are going to want to see these digital communities continue. I think that we've set the precedent that that's something that we can do and they're going to expect to continue seeing it. Um, Along those lines, will students want to keep attending events virtually? So Dustin, you alluded to some of these. Um, So my question is that, will they want to continue attending virtual events? Solomon. I absolutely think it depends on the event. So I think some guest speakers and things like that, students would love to continue to see. I know from my own experience, many students uh, that I work with have loved the opportunities that they've been able to have hearing from various guest speakers because Zoom just provides more of an opportunity for that. But um, not sure about some of the more interactive online events. Got it. What do you think about orientation? Will USC students want to have a blended or online orientation experience in the future? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that trend will continue um, just because we we did see some successful models this summer. And uh, with students all over the globe and country, I think that will absolutely continue. All right. What do you think, Dustin? I think maybe um, still think there's a lot of room to grow here because um, honestly, I've just had experiences, uh, you know, we're all human beings in the world. Uh, you know, these aren't necessarily related to like a higher institution, but like just people not getting Zoom still, even though like we've had so much exposure to it. Because I think people can obviously just like click a link to jump on a call and like converse. But, you know, to do a Zoom event well, you have to have a little bit of mastery over like, you know, your dual screen and popping out windows and screen sharing and, you know, uh, keeping an eye on the chat and just being very comfortable in that. And I don't know if... Uh, we're there yet. And even just if you are mastering all those things, I think there's still just some limitations there. So I think if you're wanting to really do events well, there's people working to make Zoom even more sophisticated. And I think we're going to see a lot of like Zoom add-ons uh, just given the ubiquity of it now. Um, so I think there's some space there to like uh, build on top of Zoom to make this a little bit more uh conducive or more appealing to uh, sort of all parties involved. So I'm kind of, you know, maybe I do lean towards probably yes, but um, have reservations. So um, I want to see uh, the the folks who are committing to make Zoom even better. I want to see that happen, kind of get my hands on it. And that would make me feel uh, a lot more kind of bullish here. All right, James, what do you think? Will students want to attend events via Zoom? Huh. So I don't know. I mean, I think that there are some services and events that are, that Zoom is actually a better platform for. And so, I mean, folks have talked in this room about, you know, speakers and whatnot. And I think for some of that, yes, I think Zoom is going to be a really good opportunity for that. There are some things that Zoom is uniquely been better for. And, and, and the first thing that comes to mind is student conduct hearings. For a student to be able to have a student conduct hearing in a space that they feel comfortable in and not in a room that feels weird to them has actually been good. Um, And and I know that feels pretty weird to talk about student conduct hearings because it's the thing on campuses we don't talk about a lot. Um, But I think making that experience work for everybody is good. And and Zoom has been a good place for that. Um, And that's reported both by the students who've had to do those things as well as by me who has to run them. Um, And so it's a lot 
a lot better in that in that regard. I think we're going to see probably a dip in in desire for Zoom events at the beginning where people are like, yeah, no, I'm done. A little burnout. And then they'll gradually return to the things about it that worked. And then we'll move to what Dustin said and expand on it and grow and then have a much more intentional use of that that type of platform in our work. All right. And my my vote is that for social events, by and large, students are going to expect those to be primarily face to face. But for um, events that are educational in any nature, students are going to be perplexed if it's not available digitally in some capacity. Like, why do I need to come to the Career Center to attend this workshop? I could easily just sit in my room and watch it online. So I think it's the nature of the events that will dictate the expectations. But uh, I do think social will be expected face-to-face for sure. All right. And speaking of expectations, um, holistically, Solomon, how do you think students' expectations of their universities will change in a post-COVID world? Yes, I think this is a very interesting question because from what I've seen with many of the students I work with, students have been very critical of their university's response to the pandemic, and they are watching closer than ever. They're waiting for those email updates more than they ever have in life. And so I think they will be huge voice uh, voices on campuses once we return, even more so than they probably already were before the pandemic. Um, I think different initiatives will, will come from some of the things that they've been experiencing on the student side that we've maybe yet to uncover uh, that they need support in. So I think it'll be interesting. And I think it's going to be so important for universities to listen to students um, because we don't know everything that they've been experiencing on their side of things. And once we come back, it, it will take all of us to make the uh, transition as seamless and as great and as been mutually beneficial for everyone as possible. All right. Thank you. And Dustin, what do you think expectations? How will they change? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think they're going to students expectations of their universities are going to change in the way that uh, they'll expect more of that flexibility, uh, you know, now that that was given, you know, this last year. And because uh, I think just to put the emphasis on it, like the struggles of our students have been laid more bare uh, over this time. And um, the idea, like it's going to be harder to ignore uh, the idea of students struggling with uh, broadband availability, uh, you know, food insecurity um, and all those sort of things. And, um, you know, they're going to expect I guess that flexibility and honestly, that support, like they're going to expect their institution to show up because like we have shown now that it is possible for institutions to help facilitate the uh, facilitation of broadband access and, uh, you know, um, things like emergency aid to make sure a student, you know, uh, their studies aren't disrupted because they have a library fee or something, you know. Um, So I think that that uh, expectation is going to change. Students are probably going to demand it uh, and kind of hold their institutions a little bit more accountable there. Um, And uh, I think that's a a positive change. So um, that is uh, what I think. Awesome. Thank you, James. What do you think? 
So I think that students are rightly going to expect us to do what we did in the pandemic on a more regular basis, and that's look at our administrative processes and make them more student friendly. Um, we've been talking for ages in, in retention work about administrative ease. Just because you have a student who needs to sign a form, they don't need to run to six different offices and get that signed. There's got to be a better way. And suddenly during the pandemic, offices found ways to do that when they could have done that all along. So there was, you know, I, I think should remain a thing of the past. And I think that we're going to find a lot of those processes and students aren't going to expect us to go through those processes with them to figure out, you know, hey, how do we make this experience better for us? And I think that's good. I think that challenge that they're giving us gives us also some some ways to to challenge the you know, the sacred things on campus that no one can change because it's always been done that way. Well, does it have to be done that way? Well, the answer is no. If it's just for administrative ease and it's not for the service of the student and the betterment of their experience, should we really be doing it that way? And I think the answer that they're giving us is no. And the answer that that then they empower us to say is, let's look at these processes differently. I uh, I agree with everyone. Um, I think holistically students are going to be expecting an agile experience such that they could um, access resources, services, etc. if they want to online and if they want to in person, that there's uh, an opportunity for, for everything to be sort of flexible in either modality. Why? Because we've been able to do it in the past. So that's that's generally my prediction. And so now we've wrapped up the student prediction section, and now let's talk about universities. So a first question is, will universities continue allowing staff to work remotely and or have flexible schedules? Solomon. This is probably my favorite question of today, and I think the answer will be overwhelmingly yes, simply because we've seen that productivity continues to um, continue. <laughs> uh, we've continued to do all of the programs and initiatives that we've done on ground, continue to have the meetings and collaboration that we experienced on ground. So I don't think there's any legitimate way that the universities or colleges can't allow for this. So I'd be really surprised um, if this isn't an overwhelming trend that we see across institutions. Interesting. All right. What do you think, Dustin? Uh, I am far less optimistic, as much as it pains me to admit, uh, as a strong advocate for remote work. Uh, but I've just heard some stories from colleagues at uh, different institutions where uh, there has been a very uh, forceful, strong arming of people back to campus, uh, the professionals working, that is. And uh, it just feels like a pretty big culture change. Uh, if it does happen, I think it's going to be grossly inconsistent. Um, and if so, perhaps very limited, you know, perhaps people just being able to work from home on uh uh, you know, given days or something like every other Friday or one Friday a month or something like that, just so that they feel as though they're like giving that little morsel, you know, back, uh, even though folks are mostly in person working. So um, I just think for right now, it's too much of a big culture shift uh, for a lot of institutions to keep on doing. Uh, unfortunately, I think they were just doing it because they had to. So um, definitely not uh, not as optimistic here. 
All right. Two, two extremes there. Let's see what you think, James. Well, I'm going to split the middle right down between the two and say that I think it's going to be highly dependent on the work that the positions on campus do. Um, uh, positions that are really focused on in-person contact with students, it will be much harder for those positions to continue in the way that they have during the pandemic. Um, and maybe some of that will change depending on, you know, as, as Jamie, as you noted, you know, depending on how much campuses provide services, both online and in person, will some of that flexibility be reflected in the work that those individual staff people do remotely when they're scheduled to be remote so providing online service versus when they're in person? And I think it's going to really depend on the type of institution, the contact level that they have with students and whether or not the organization is able to motivate themselves to to make those changes based on what they perceive to be that their their operational goals are all right well i'm gonna go ahead and unsplit the difference again and be with my friend dustin and say higher education i love it as far as what it provides to students but it's changes slowly and people are very fearful of change and i I sincerely doubt, yes, I think there'll be exceptions to the way you described James, but I, there are processes that are documented that is how remote work can and cannot happen and all of that. And I think everything is going to go back to the way it was. I don't think that there's by and large going to be flexibility with working remotely or flexing schedules. And I'd love to believe and be proven wrong on that, but I guess maybe this time next year we can check that out and see how our predictions uh, fared. All right, the next question is related to some of what we've talked about. Um, we've we definitely all kind of weighed in on the idea that students will probably expect to be able to complete administrative processes digitally, but will universities continue offering digital processes, Solomon? I hope so. And I think this is in alignment with what Dustin mentioned on the student side with just some of the services and opportunities. Universities getting better at providing those online. I would hope this is also a service that um, universities will continue to make online or digital processes um, accessible. So one of the things that came to mind is DocuSign and having students submit documents. And I think you mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes, Jamie, that we shouldn't have students coming to campus to turn in documents. And that statement has stuck with me since that episode because I totally agree. And we shouldn't even be asking them to print, scan, and sign things and return them to us via email Um, And I know like it's not something that every college uh, can, you know, do overnight, but I really think some of our processes, there are opportunities for them to be moved digital. And we saw some of that happening this past year. um, And I hope to just see it continue to be offered. So that's my two cents on that question. All right, Dustin, what do you think? Yeah. And simply put, I think it's because there's a big benefit for both sides to have these processes in place. Like, I think people are going to wake up uh, as they likely have been over this uh, past year to uh, realize, yeah, having things through DocuSign or, you know, uh, just being able to kind of um, 
have things run digitally asynchronously, you know, it's not just tethered to uh, business hours and during the week and that sort of thing. Um, so I think there's kind of a motivator here. There's some kind of uh, momentum going because uh, these processes uh, going digital will be, um, yeah, a big benefit to both sides. Thanks. And what do you think, James? I agree. I think a lot of processes can be moved online. Um, I had moved our entire conduct process online prior to the pandemic, and we had saved in that first year that I did it almost $6,000 in paper um, just from moving, you know, not printing reports and printing documents to sign. And, you know, the digital storage of that was a lot cheaper than file storage and the work that it took to store files. And so I think the pandemic will hopefully, as I said earlier, give people reason to assess the processes we're using and determine which ones can be digital or should be digital and let students help guide that discussion so that we're not asking them to do things that significantly impact their day-to-day lives without them being involved in that, unless they obviously can't for whatever confidentiality reasons. But I think that we will see a lot of processes move online. And I think that expectation from families as well, when we look at the admissions process and enroll um, as well as um, as people begin to move into graduation, I think a lot of those processes being online um, will will also continue to, to work, and and people will take the stuff that they've done in the pandemic and expand on it, and hopefully we'll we'll have a much more digital. Uh, campus than we have before. I think, you know, you, you said it earlier, Jamie, higher education is very slow to change. And the pandemic has sort of given it the push to head down the digital route. And I think that we're so far down that road now that it would be hard to turn all the way back. But I think some campuses are going to turn a little bit to the right and try to be like, well, let's save our paper just one more year. Right. Um, but in the end, I think the tide will rush and we will end up with many, many more digital processes than we have currently. Yeah, I agree with uh, pretty much all of you. I I anticipate uh, campuses retaining the digital processes. And my main rationale for that is uh, leading up to the pandemic, probably the number one reason why processes weren't digital is because campuses just hadn't figured it out. And now they have, and they're going to realize that it's it makes things much more efficient for them and really optimizes technology. So to Dustin's point, both sides win. And uh, so, uh, and I just hope this one, I just really hope, like, please just don't make a student come back and like hand in an ad drop form. Like, please just don't, don't do it. Um, All right. Off my pedestal. All right. Do you think, this is our next question. Do you think university personnel... So staff and faculty will continue to be available via webcam to meet with students. So do you think we'll see this sort of shift so that if you look on a university, you know, at pick a center's website, will it say, here's our open hours, come to this building and click here or here's how you can access us digitally. Um, so what do you think? Will we see, see personnel being available to students digitally? Solomon. All right. So I think this is where some of my optimism is because um, as much as I would love to see this happen, I think we've witnessed how much of a barrier technology is for some folks and for some of our um you know leaders and just even all the Zoom pains and uh 
I don't know. I don't know. I think it's been a, a frustration for many of the faculty and staff this year having to adapt and um, really become masters of using Zoom. So I think for for folks who it's not as much of a challenge, I think they're that it will be welcome, those type of services for students. But I think in offices where maybe folks aren't the most confident in utilizing technologies, if the system isn't put in place for them to do it by the division that they're a part of, I'm not sure that an office would, um, you know, willingly, you know, offer this as a service. So um, those are my thoughts on that question. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Dustin? Yeah, but I agree. I mean, just to be more realistic, I think it is definitely going to be mixed bag. I think it'll be offered as an option, but um, yeah, maybe not emphasized as much. And I, I, I'm hopeful that it is at least available because I think the, the outcome that I would love to see is that, uh, yeah, your com uh, commuter students, adult learners, online students uh, can feel a little bit more connected because uh, if they do need help. They could jump on a video call if they feel comfortable uh, doing so versus just doing everything through those digital processes and doing chat and email and that sort of thing. So um, yes, with reservations for sure, I think it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag, um, not like kind of wholeheartedly supported and emphasized and put, you know, kind of center stage. But um, again, I think it, it's definitely going to be one of those things that's just a holdover, uh, maybe hard to like walk back entirely. All right, James, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Solomon and Dustin. I think it's going to be highly episodic and dependent on the the individual and the, the who's leading the office, right? Um, I think if a student wants to meet with me on webcam, I'm perfectly okay with that. In fact, I can get more students in in a day if I'm just going from Zoom call to Zoom call than if I'm, you know, straightening the office and, you know, pulling out files and whatnot, just waiting for students to arrive. It just takes less time to get get students there. So I'm happy to do that. Um, I think there's a lot of colleagues that would be happy to do that. I think some of the leadership at institutions are going to be less comfortable with that after the pandemic. They would like to go back to all in-person meetings. And, and, and admittedly, I, I would like to have some in-person meetings. I would like to see people again. Um, but, you know, hey, I think that, 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 like Dustin said, I think we're too far down the road to walk it back. But I think it will be, again, a slow plot until the day you can, like you said, Jamie, go to a website, click on a button, and then someone come up and say, how can I help you? I think we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um I do, I do sit in the middle on one part of the university personnel and the other, I have a, a clear opinion. So faculty, I think that they are going to go back to face-to-face -to -face office hours predominantly, unless they're teaching an online class, but that's the same as probably uh, pre-pandemic. I think with regard to sort of student affairs, professionals, or services, I think that is going to depend on the student population. So I, I don't like if, if there's 50% of the students are taking mostly online classes, I don't see how a university could ignore that and not provide that option. So I think it's really going to depend on student demand is, uh, is my thought there. So I'll sit kind of in the middle on that one. Um, and then it, I do think it comes down to comfort, uh, comfortability, comfortability with the technology when it comes to each office and such. All right, we're winnowing down to our last two questions. Um, one is one that I, I didn't specifically share with our group that I might ask about, but um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. So what that is, is in what ways do you think the student affairs pro 
progression, sorry, in what ways do you think the student affairs profession will be impacted by COVID long-term? Who wants to answer this first? Because I don't want to throw it on Solomon just because he's always been going second, unless you already have an answer. Well, I do. Luckily, my answer hasn't changed. Um, I think one thing that will change for our profession is how we collaborate. I think a lot about, and this is mainly because of how I'm thinking USC will return once everything's on ground. I think there will be a lot of flexibility from working from home. So what that means to me is if I want to have an in-person meeting or attend an event that's going on on campus, when I get there, the room might not be as full as it, it once was, you know, prior to COVID. Or I might have to really remember that that person who I want to have a meeting with is only on campus on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I think collaborating might become a little bit more tricky to navigate. I don't think it'll be more difficult uh, just because I think the accessibility will be there. But in what medium, who knows? So um, I think that'll be interesting to navigate on the other side of the pandemic. All right. Dustin or James? I can go. Yeah. Oh, okay, go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, just a brief uh, mention I'll have here is that I have a lot of people that reach out to me all the time about transitioning into uh, ed tech uh, since uh, I made a similar transition years ago. Uh, utilize, you know, it's something that utilizes prior experience and knowledge, but just a completely different culture and environment. So um, I'd imagine that that's going to accelerate um, in the profession because there's just more great companies and organizations out there doing uh, work adjacent to higher ed. And um, I've just really experienced a lot of interest in it. So um, I think that that is going to be something that's going to be um, accelerating. All right. What do you think, James? Yeah, I think that um, as a profession, I think we're going to see a lot more emphasis on um, creating much more intentional experiences for students um, and of making sure that we're collaborating across the institution. Um, and this kind of goes into my answer for the next question as well. But, you know, particularly on smaller campuses right now, most of us are operating not with our traditional staffing model. We're still in that structure, but we're also using um, sort of an emergency operation structure where we're we're talking cross team. Um, we're using a core planning team model where we have people from all different areas of campus working together. And so all of the decisions we're making in these different areas including student experience and student affairs, have people in them from academic affairs and from from administration and um, from finance, right? And so we're working more cross-team than we ever have before, and I hope that some of that will stay um, so that institutions don't become as siloed as they were, in, particularly in student affairs. We don't get pushed back to take care of the student things and, you know, sort of be siloed over here doing this this one set of work instead of looking at the work as an institutional imperative across the entire institution. Wow. Okay. Well, that's definitely more optimistic than I was thinking, <laughs> but I think that's great. Um, I think that one, one thing just kind of echoes actually what Dustin shared, but I, I just think by and large, we're going to see a lot of folks leaving the profession and possibly a lot less coming into the profession. Um, 
by and large, I've seen, you know, a lot of comments and spoken to a lot of colleagues where they didn't feel like their universities were people first with regard to employees as people. And they've been put in really, really difficult situations that have not supported their own lives. So I think people are burnt out. And I I think it can be a real challenge for the profession moving forward. I would like to believe, and I'm not sure if this will happen, But I would really like to believe that we see the curriculum of graduate preparation programs as well as our um, national associations really grow to include um, how to leverage technology for student success and for, you know, efficiency and, and services, et cetera. So that this becomes, it's not just a sort of, let's share what we all did during the pandemic and how we use technology, but how we can do that on a continual basis to meet students' needs, as well as um, how we can really create an agile campus and foster a great experience for students who may not be coming to campus as often, which as we all know, includes commuter students. Uh, many of the strategies I think we found that can be successful for online students can also be successful for commuting students. So I think that needs to be woven more into how student affairs professionals learn, develop, and grow. So um, those are two different kind of perspectives on that question. And really our last question, and everybody doesn't have to answer this one. I don't think I have an answer to this one, but it's just, what else do you think will change or what else do you think will go back to the way that it was? Something, anything we didn't cover. I feel very confident that we are going to go back to in-person social events because students are desperate to spend time with one another. I think that is going back immediately as soon as it possibly can. Um, They miss seeing each other's faces. In fact, I miss seeing their faces too. You know, walking across campus, I see students who I've known for four years and they've got a mask on. I don't recognize them and I don't know who they are. It's it's hard to believe that someone's mouth and nose is so important to recognition um, that, 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 that makes that a thing. But I think we're going to go back there um, and, and the rest, I'm really completely uncertain about. I don't know if I have any other answer than just we're going back for social events ASAP. Yeah, that makes sense. Solomon, what do you think? I am struggling here. I'm not sure. I think um, one thing that I think about that will be different is maybe, um, I don't know how everything looks. I just think about walking on campus and if we're ever going to, you know, be tailgating as, you know, packed as we were on top of each other or if the cafeteria is going to look the same. I I don't know. I just, I don't have an answer. I think I'm just still trying to uh, piece together. Yeah. What, what it might look like. So not too much insight. All right. Well, I don't really have anything to add to this question either. I know Dustin doesn't really. So we will just be watching. And this time next year, we'll revisit our predictions and see who came in the most accurate. And if you listening have any predictions you want to share, either to the questions that we asked or any of your own, we would love to hear them. Thanks so much for listening. 
Thanks for listening to the Student Affairs Nerds podcast. For more information about the show and hosts, visit our website at studentaffairsnerds.com. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook at SA Nerds Pod to get the most recent updates about our show. If you have a great idea for a show, we would love to hear it and we'd love to feature you. Send your show ideas to podcast at gmail.com. And if you think our show is pretty great and totally nerdy, please leave us a review. Thank you.